Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We are wrapping up our No Longer Strangers sermon series that focuses on the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians teaches us about living as a community of faith that is not without conflict, but is full of faithful followers of Jesus who long to move from strangers to God and one another into embracing the gift of a family of faith. When we think of the armor of God, we often think of tangible kinds of armor, like a knight in shining armor. But really, God is inviting us to pray at all times, to know that God is with us, and to trust in the armor of the gifts of faith, truth, and love. When we trust in these, we are assured, not that life will be easier or even that troubles will stay away from us, but that God will walk alongside and uphold us through it all. In this message of the week from August 29th, Pastor Jen Tyler shares from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and reminds us to live into faith by putting on the armor of God. Here is the First Church message of the week. Won't you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, as we gather to hear your word this day, might you open our ears that we might hear you more clearly our eyes that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from many and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So today we are wrapping up our sermon series. We have been reading through the book of Ephesians together over the past month or so. Uh, We have been journeying through this letter to a community that was struggling with some of our human differences. None of us, of course, know anything about having any human differences with people around us, right? And yet here we are with a community that was written to thousands of years ago, and they too needed a little bit of help finding ways to break down some of the walls that divide us in order for them to live more fully and more authentically as one community and believers in Christ. So we have been seeking and reading through this letter together, learning what it means to no longer be strangers in one another's midst. And in doing so throughout this book, the focus has remained not on the individuals that the letter was written to or for, but the focus throughout these words and these chapters has been on God as we seek to have our own understandings of God expanded in order that the community of Ephesus then, just like us today, might come to understand the purpose and the grace of God. The hope in doing this, of course, is that they, like we, might seek to live in unity as one community who would be faithful representatives of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, with this goal as the backdrop, themes from the first five chapters of the book were everything from living into unity, uh, not uniformity, living into what it looks like to have maturity of faith or personal renewal in our lives as we seek to honor God in new ways. These themes come together to to form and bring us to the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, which begins by telling us that children should obey their parents. But that, I heard a couple parents echo, did you hear that? 
Okay, children, obey your parents. Now, here's the thing. The other half of this lesson is for the parents too, right? Because parents then are invited. If our children are going to obey us, we need to live lives worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives and our roles as parents. And so in all of these ways, when we try to live together, to be role models for each other, to honor each other, to live faithfully in community, these themes come together at the end of the book and then invite us to take everything that we have learned and been entrusted to by God and to bring them together as we try to live equipped to live into and embrace the gospel of peace. Things that we can only do if we stop relying on ourselves and instead, in all things, rely on the strength and the power of God. So that's where our final reading is going to pick up today. In Ephesians chapter 6, the words are going to be on the screen in front of us here. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. Finally, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in the supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. Here ends our reading today. It's a pretty intense passage, isn't it? It talks a lot about some of the spiritual forces around us, and I love the way it highlights, as we talk about not being strangers, it highlights that our enemies are not individual people, but sometimes the systems that are at work against us or others. It begins by telling us to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, wiles is a weird word that we don't use anymore, of course. It means like tricks or shenanigans. I like the word shenanigans. Stand firm and put on your armor to stand against the shenanigans going on around you. 
to be faithful in all things. I like some of these analogies that follow. Because when we think of the armor of God, or of any armor for that matter, I imagine that I'm not the only one who immediately begins to picture actual physical armor, right? Sandy used some of these great examples this morning. The armor, she brought a military hat. Anybody immediately think of military when we think of armor, right? I sure did. We are used to seeing images of that kind, images of military and uniform and various means of defense that take on physical forms. But what I appreciate about the analogies and the descriptions and the means of protection and armor as written about in this passage is that none of them are physical. It uses kind of analogies to help us to understand and visualize what this protection might look like. But what really protects us, we are told, is not just what might come naturally as means of defense, of keeping people away. But remember, the whole of this book of Ephesians is about bringing people together. So instead, these are not meant to be means of defense that push people away. But instead, they are divinely given gifts and tools that are not just meant to be used as defense, but also as modes of offense, so that we are always ready and working towards the good both for ourselves and for the whole of the community around us. And so we do that by trusting in these armor gifts of faith, of truth, of salvation, of righteousness, and of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God. That list is pretty long of gifts that we are given. And it tells us that when we faithfully embrace these We are assured that not only are, well, let me rephrase that. We are assured not that things are going to be easier. We're not assured that you're never going to encounter hard times because you're so well prepared, right? Instead, what we are assured of is that when those hard times comes, you'll be more equipped. That we're going to be more willing and ready and eager and able to trust in God who will get us through. And when we engage these kinds of gifts for that kind of help, as it tells us to, it tells us that we will be able to keep alert and always persevere. Perseverance looks different from the eye of each beholder, doesn't it? Now, and I don't know about you, when I think about utilizing armor, These gifts of putting on the armor of faith, it's a lot different than that first image I imagined. And so this past couple of weeks, as I was thinking about what I might say today, I was thinking about the different kinds of armor and other things we wear in different times and places. Um, Sandy gave a lot of these examples this morning. I didn't know she was going to do that. Don't you just love when the Holy Spirit shows up and lines us up, right? Because there's a lot I could have said or shared about this passage, but I'm stuck on this image of the armor and the different things and the different ways it might look if we wore them. Like, sometimes I think of wearing specific clothing for a time or place. And how maybe that clothing that is a uniform, it's different than a costume, right? It's different than if I wear my full robe and my stole, am I less of a pastor because I'm not wearing those things today? 
I hope everyone would say no, right? And I know that that's different than when we love to dress up at Halloween and wear a costume and pretend to be someone or thing we're not. Sometimes we put on different pieces in different times in our lives to fit different roles of our lives. The same is true of our faith, right? Some of us are quick to wear our faith on our sleeve. We uh, even wear the printed t-shirts and always wear a cross, which is funny because I'm not wearing any jewelry today. I forgot it. We have days like that too, right? Some days we wear it externally and boldly and share it, and other days you'd never know, except perhaps by the ways that we treat and interact with one another. Both of these are good, by the way. It is good to share our faith both publicly and to live our faith privately. When we wear it publicly, though, it also invites other questions, doesn't it? Like, are we wearing our faith boldly and publicly to empower and strengthen us and share our faith for the sake of sharing the gospel? Or are we wearing it as a kind of attire so that we know who's in and who's out and where we belong and what we believe? Now, that doesn't mean that anyone here is either of those, but intention matters, doesn't it? I've been thinking about this in, things of other, in terms of other things we wear, too. For example, next week uh, on Wednesday, I am going to leave here from the church mid-afternoon, and I am going to Minnesota to watch the Cubs play, not the Twins, right? And I fully expect at the game to know who the players are versus who the empires are, versus who the fans are, right? Hopefully we all look a little different. We're all going to be in uniform, and I fully expect to know who the people on the right side of the field are cheering for the Cubs versus those cheering for the home team of the Minnesota Twins, right? We're going to know some of these things based on the attire we're wearing, and I'm not sorry for all you Twins fans out there. But there are other times and places that are less specific that this is true, right? I could give lots of examples. One of my favorites that I've been thinking about, if anyone's on social media, you know that your memories pop up. Oh, six years ago today, you were doing this. Well, six years ago, last week, we were celebrating my youngest sister's wedding. And I was thinking about her wedding because they actually eloped. They got married in, uh, this is a family tradition of mine that's a longer story than I have time for, but I have two siblings who got married who eloped on April Fool's Day. So if that tells you anything about our love of humor in our family, uh, five years apart, not even planned. Uh, So they eloped in April, and then we had a big celebration and party for them in August. Those are my memories that came up. And I was thinking about this because with a white wedding dress, that's a really good example, isn't it, of a time that we wear a uniform that maybe you would wear at no other time. I mean, when you see a wedding party walk by, how do you know it's a wedding party? How do you know? The white dress. You can't miss a white wedding dress, right? So I remember being surprised at the reception that my sister Aaliyah did not choose to wear her white wedding gown that we had seen in all the pictures. Her lack of a fancy gown, though, it didn't make her any less the celebrated bride, did it? She still wore a little white dress with a really colorful top. To be clear, this is not my white gown. 
didn't stop that all of us knew why we were there, who we were celebrating, who the bride was, and all the details that go with that, right? I mean, we even had cake. It was a proper celebration. Her choosing not to wear the dress that day goes to show that sometimes our traditional attire, it really serves a purpose, right? And other times, it's just tradition, and it doesn't change who we are on the inside. In this case, I had asked her, and she said that to put the dress back on several months after she got married would have felt for her like putting on a costume. It would have felt like pretending that that day was something that it wasn't, like she was someone that she wasn't. And she didn't want to duplicate that day because the original day, the 1st of April, was perfect and stood sacred on its own. And so to put that dress back on or to pretend otherwise, it would have been, well, her question, her statement to me was, would it really have been that different than like a bridal for a magazine shoot, right? She didn't want to feel like she was putting on a costume that represented someone or thing it didn't. And so I've been thinking about that as I wonder how that translates into our lives. As I've been thinking about other kinds of uniform or attire that we put on, some of that is literal, but a lot of it is figurative too, isn't it? Not just what we wear, but about some of our behaviors that we put on. For example, this is one of my favorite questions to ask on a Sunday morning, because when I say, come as you are, come worship and be a part of our community, do not be a stranger in our midst, I really mean come not just physically as you are, but spiritually too. That means that I hope when you come and join us for worship that you are the same person on a Sunday morning as you were on Friday night. I hope that we are living parallel and not perpendicular lives when we compare our public lives with our private ones. When we stand before God, I wonder if there will be things that we are ashamed of or haven't yet repented of because we hold them so close inside of us and we can't feel like we can't even share that with God or our closest friends. I also wonder if when we do those kinds of things, if it turns into sometimes asking more of others than we're willing to give of ourselves. And I don't just mean asking someone to volunteer when you won't step up. I mean, it's really hard, isn't it, to know that I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. I know that that's in real heartfelt, heartbreaking ways that I'm going to let people down sometimes when I really wish I couldn't. But the truth is the only one who will never let you down is Jesus. And I am sorry in advance if I ever hurt you. And I hope that if and when that day comes, that you'll extend to me the grace that I know that you long for and need as well. Because you're going to stumble and fall too. And there is grace enough for all of us, for each and every one of us. And so when we let people down, no matter how hard we try not to, no matter how much effort we put forth, no matter how much prayer we surround a situation with, no matter how much we prayerfully consider a decision before we make it, 
Has anyone ever been weighted with a decision that you felt like was between, as we say, a rock and a hard place, and you know that no matter what you decide, you're letting someone down? When we stumble and fall, when you stumble and fall, it's hard to get to that place and to know that we're going to make mistakes. And sometimes we're the hardest on ourselves first, aren't we? But are we making space for others to make those very same mistakes that we're going to make too? Because it's easy for us to want the very best from the people around us, isn't it? To think that, I mean, I used sports analogies earlier, but it's easy to use the phrase like a Monday quarterback, right? We all want to be on the field. I want to tell you if I were in your shoes, this is the decision you would make, and how could it not be so easy? It's easy to think we know how to do things in other people's places, right? And to slide down that slippery slope, to be quick to judge, to point out when others misstep. But the truth is we have a choice in not only our own actions, but also in how we receive others, how we extend grace to others, how we forgive others. We have a choice in protecting both ourselves and others from these mistakes being wider than they need to be. And Ephesians here reminds us of this. It reminds us of this not by telling us we'll never make mistakes, but it reminds us by telling us that God is with us in them. And that if we pray in the Spirit, God will be with you. God wants to provide for you this armor that comes in these forms that we named earlier, gifts of faith and of truth and of salvation, gifts of righteousness and of the power of the Holy Spirit and of the word of God that upholds us. Collectively and individually, we have the opportunity to use these gifts to support and encourage one another, to lift one another up. We have the opportunity to live into and share these gifts because God is there to help us find a way, to guide us on our way to these gifts of spiritual armor, gifts that help us, as it says, to keep alert, to always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Keep alert, friends. Put on that armor that God longs to give you. Armor of grace and of forgiveness, both for yourself and for others around you. God longs for you to trust in God enough to know that no matter what may come, God wants you to persevere. God is on your side. And so this day and always, may we become increasingly aware of the armor that we need in our lives as we seek to mend some of those vulnerabilities that we're so hard on ourselves for. As we seek to look to God and to live truthfully and peacefully and faithfully, may we seek to trust in God in all of these ways, both publicly and in private. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Faithful, loving God who gives to us more than we could ever ask for or imagine, who coats us with the armors that we don't always even know we need, help us, oh God, to use these shields not to keep us far from one another, but in order to honor one another. 
in order to love one another, in order to welcome one another. Help us, God, to trust in you and to see others as you first see us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.